Welcome to the Hockey Strength Podcast, the official podcast of SCAP, the Strength and Conditioning Association of Professional Hockey. My name is David Rosales, and today I'm joined by Mike Potenza and our guest, Devin McConnell. Devin currently serves as the High Performance Director of the Arizona Coyotes. Before joining Arizona in November 2020, he was the Director of Performance Science and Reconditioning with the New Jersey Devils. He's also the co-author of the book, Intent, A Practical Approach to Applied Sports Science. So Devin has done a lot. He's done a lot for our website. He's written tons of articles, made a bunch of videos. If you're in the field, you probably know Devin. This is a really fun episode. We talk about goalie training. We talk about his upcoming presentation this summer at the International Hockey Performance Summit called Building a High Performance Program. And I think my favorite part of the conversation is we talked about how Devin continues to learn and uh, he's he draws from a lot of different sources from a lot of different fields and and we talk about how continuing education means more than just reading strength conditioning books and scientific journals so that that was a really fun aspect of this conversation we did mention the ihps that's happening this june in quebec hosted by scotty livingston and and his crew at reconditioning hq it's going to be a joint event along with scaf so we have a full day of speakers as a full weekend lineup so if you're interested in joining us in person in June, then we will link link to that, reconditioninghq forward slash IHPS. And without further ado, here is Mike Potenza and Devin McConnell. Devin, welcome back to the Hockey Strength Podcast. Mike, welcome back as well. Thank you both for, for joining us today. Happy to be here. Excited. So, Devin, we're going to start with goalie training because recently you wrote an article on goaltender preparation and the five-step warm-up for goalies. You kind of outline your entire process for how you prepare goalies to train. But first, I want to start with some high-level concepts and, and ask how you think about uh, the big buckets that goalies need to perform. Like, wh- what, are, what are some of the big differences that, that goalies need to perform on the ice compared to skaters? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I would say you know, it's kind of that big rocks idea. Like the 80% to me is, is really not much different than everybody else. Like I think, you know, goalies, um, you know, I, I was a goalie growing up and all the way through college. Um, and, and I've seen the game from that perspective change a ton over time. I think at the end of the day, goalies need to be fantastic athletes. Like the best goalies in the national hockey league, the best goalies in hockey are exceptional athletes. Um, so I think that the foundations of that remain the same. It's, it's a relative, uh, base layer of strength and explosiveness, power development, speed. Um, you need a certainly aerobic, but also, uh, alactic aerobic and, and anaerobic capacity training. Like you need the, the broad spectrum, uh, I think to be uh, a high level goalie. So to me, 80% is, is that, and is very similar to what training looks like and what athletic development looks like for, for anybody uh, playing the game. I think the 20% then once you've developed those things, you know, once you're quote unquote strong enough and, and you have these kind of foundational levels of, of strength and power development, then I think you start to look at some of the nuances of the game and the position. And a lot of that comes into, um, you know, the, the positions, the body positions, the biomechanics that goalies, um, that, that makes goalies unique that they need to be able to do that. Again, high level goalies are able to do, whether that be, you know, extreme kind of, hip mobility and, and thoracic mobility and these things, but also control at end range. So I'm always from a, a physical development standpoint, like my priorities, regardless of who you are, whether you're a goaltender, whether you're a, a forward defenseman, whether you're a skier, whether you're, whoever you are, it's, I always look at training from 
the lens of reducing the incidence of injury. Like my primary goal is always to figure out um, or, or to try to strive to reduce the chance of injury um, as much as possible. And we know that you can't eliminate that, but you know, my philosophy revolves around keeping our players as healthy as possible and on the ice. Um, Cause at the end of the day, if they can't practice and compete, then they're, you know, they're, they can't improve themselves. They can't develop as players. They can't, uh, they can't help the team. So from that lens uh, with goaltenders, I think it's important to start to look at things like end range strength and stability, right? Because a lot of, we know a lot of goaltenders or, or, or a lot of injuries in goaltending occur um, in these sort of end range positions, you know, goalie going into the, into the splits to make a kick save and not necessarily that causing the injury, but defensemen tripping over their back foot and, and creating some, you know, odd torque or odd, you know, uh, motion and on the backside that results in, in some kind of, you know, uh, muscle strain or tear or, or, you know, impingement issue or things like that. And then, you know, speaking of things like impingement, the repetitive nature of the position and the butterfly position and these the reverse VH uh, that goalies play. And now, you know, all of these things that, that create um, chronic issues over time and lead to injuries. So my lens is always through these kind of scenarios first and then it's from a performance standpoint so when we talk about this 20 percent of to me the nuance around goaltender training it's it's really through those first kind of those first two lenses yeah that's i'm to add to that that's a great model dev i've i've always said in my experience even in college and obviously you've spent a lot of time there too and have been successful there um our strongest goalies have been our our least injured goalies. And that trend has always taken, taken into the NHL too. Um, and then they've also been our, our most athletic, even when you go back to what sports they played as a young athlete to, you know, what, how, how many sports they, they are capable of and show athleticism. And now, you know, when they're messing around with guys, whether it be soccer, whether it be tennis, like, you know, they're, they're, they're really good athletes, you know, but you know, I think what's Boyle always talks about Rusty Jones saying the best medicine for injury is, is to be strong, right? Or the best injury prevention is to be strong. I think that's most certainly um, important for a goalie. You know, we even take it to, and now too, we, we tend spend a lot of time on locomotion and, and kind of athletic type movements, whether it be shuffling, crossing over into a stride or sprint or, or deceleration stuff, just to keep them moving, just to keep them athletic. You know, I think they get into that mindset of where they don't, you don't really need to do that stuff. It's the, it's the end season, but I think it, it, it promotes health, it, healthy movement and also healthy kind of hips and pelvis and all those kind of areas. So. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think goaltending, you know, from kind of two perspectives is, is super specialized a from sort of a, you know, we can get into the, you know, youth early specialization type thing, but you know, more so than any position in, in hockey and, and, you know, really probably a lot of sports, goaltending becomes extremely early specialized. And then on top of it, the position itself, uh, you know, from a, from a technical standpoint becomes extremely specialized and very, very repetitive goaltenders at the highest levels. And really at, at all levels, good goalies are very technically sound now. And, and in a lot of ways, what that means is they, they move the same way over and over and over. Like they're very, very like when a, when a, good goalie drops into the butterfly and a shot is coming from a particular part of the ice where, how they move the position they get into is exactly the same every time. Right. And that's part of what makes them really good is being very technically sound. And there's different positions and depending on where the puck is and the play and how they're reading it. But these, these positions become very repetitive and very robotic. 
so I think a lot of times, you know, our job is, as performance specialists is, you know, to, to feed them what they're not getting. And so it's that, that dynamic movement, that locomotion, those um, positions that, you know, I, you, back in the day, you'd call it cross training, but getting them out of what they do every day, a thousand times a day and into other positions is just from a, from a joint integrity, well-being standpoint, I think there's tremendous value to those things. Yeah, we've gone down to the the deep rabbit hole of it's a position that everybody needs tissue work in my mind. And, and I kind of love that area of whether it be treatment or whether it be kind of the tool in the toolbox for a performance coach or or you're a performance director. So you have you have people underneath you on the massage side or the, ther- the hands on uh, tissue therapy side that you can kind of direct to say, hey, go work on this guy. You know, he needs this, this, this and this area. You know, I think goalies are most certainly in that, like you say, repetitive movement pattern. But we have to we have to unlock some area because, you know, it's super tight. And the other ones, you know what, they're they're fine. They're mobile. I've seen, you know, I've seen goalies who <clears throat> stretch themselves, you know, to hypermobility and then stretch themselves right into the training room and then right out of <laughs> right out of the lineup, you know, where, where it's an interesting, that's an interesting concept too, or it's, or it's an interesting um, caveat to who you're dealing with, you know, at this level, I think, I think it can happen anywhere too. We've had, we've seen, we've seen goaltenders come in from major junior or college who aren't very strong, but are super flexible. And all of a sudden you see things break down, right? Because there's no stability there. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a position of its own you know like you have to you know you wear a different cap when you're thinking about goalies that's for sure yeah no question and i think those ideas of you know stretching yourself right into the training room you know and, and hyper mobile but but probably underdeveloped from a strength and stability standpoint like that leads into some of the stuff that i wrote about in the article and and, and some of the ideas i've borrowed from um you know from functional range conditioning that that's what i when i'm talking about developing strength at end range that's where those concepts kind of come from of getting into these you know long um stretch i guess stretch positions but creating learning to create tension and torque at those positions because again that's you know when a goalie just picture somebody in the splits at that position that's where that's where those tissues are at their at their weakest and they're most the player the athlete is most reliant on you know integrity of the position biomechanically being dictated by by ligaments and passive structures and so creating learning to create strength and tension at those positions from a muscular standpoint uh, those are some of the the principles i've learned from from frc as far as the ideas of you know what they call pails and rails and things like that where you're trying to you're just trying to create isometric strength at end range essentially um and, and to me that's where these guys that are you know as you talked about hypermobile uh, but lack the strength and stability those that's where the issues arise they can get into those positions but they can't necessarily um, control those positions and and they can't safely get out of those positions sometimes or like i talked about earlier you know when when chaos ensues and uh, you know things don't go exactly according to plan when they're in those positions you know can they can they withstand that unusual stress and that's really where strength comes in for goalies beyond the, the performance perspective being stronger allows you to withstand more crap Right. And so when more, when more stuff hits the fan, the stronger you are, the more likely your tissues and and structures are going to be able to withstand that. And then you, you multiply that over the course of a season and, and the, you know, the thousands of repetitions that they're going through in any of these, you know, position specific, you know, uh, you know, positions, um, that's where strength really, I think has a tremendous amount of value for goalies. 
Yeah, just like almost everything, we talk all the time in SNC about this balance between mobility and stability and strength. And I feel like goalies, you're kind of just dealing with a with an extreme version of that paradox and how you kind of how you wrestle with both of those. On a tactical level, so I'm, let's regular strength coach. That twenty percent where you're dealing with these extreme ranges of motions, where are you including this in your program? Is it in the warm up, and especially with limited time, which almost every strength coach has? So, on a practical level, how are you? How are you getting goalies into that that last twenty percent that they need to deal with? Yeah, I think it's a mix. I mean, I think in a perfect world, you know, as I kind of outlined in the article, like that's our pre-practice prep. Let's we can call it that. Whether that's game day, whether that's practice, what, whatever, pre-pre-ice prep, and it's it's really the same recipe, I guess, as, as I would have for, for any athlete, for any individual training, right. There's, there's a, um, a period of, you know, beginning with, with soft tissue prep and mobility, muscle activation, um, into, you know, kind of more dynamic, uh, you know, just basic dynamic warm up uh, into sort of uh, power speed development, go put your gear on, go play. Like that's sort of the, the recipe. It's just a little bit fine tuned for goalies as far as including some of those, end range strength development standpoint. So we really kind of take a, a microdosing approach across the board with all of our athletes. It's, it's kind of our philosophy and training. We, we try to sprinkle in uh, little bits of, of stimulus on, on a daily basis. So for goalies, you know, where the rest of our team may be going through whatever their specific kind of warm up is. And again, it follows a similar recipe. It, the goalies are following the same sort of protocol. It's just that we're plugging in some of those, some of those more, I guess, you know, to use a, a term position specific strength and uh, stability exercises. And that, that again, falls into those FRC. And you know what, some of those things are fantastic tools or, or exercises for other players as well. It's, they may be um, parts of those may be integrated into our team warm up. Um, but, but from a specific standpoint, that's where we're trying to sprinkle those things. And that's a perfect world, you know, in an imperfect world, sometimes, um, in our post-game lift, you know, we're just, uh, sprinkling some of that stuff in for our goalies as their individual work alongside what more of our group look work looks like. Um, some of that stuff is just teach these guys, you know, uh, how to, uh, integrate these things into their own, you know, personal, um, personal warmups or their homework at home stuff that they're going to go home and maybe try to get them. If it's a guy, as, as Mike alluded to a guy that just loves to kind of be hypermobile and stretch for hours and hours and sit in front of the TV and the splits. Hey, can we, Hey, can we sprinkle in some of this stuff into your, into what you've always done that, you know, helps you be who you are. Can we add a little bit of this? So it's always about just trying to nudge guys sort of in the direction that we're, we're trying to get them to move into. Yeah, have you played the position and I don't know how you do it, but sometimes you stand in front of these guys in the summertime as a target. So God bless you. You know, but, um, <laughs> Over your time, you spent a lot of years at UMass, and as I said before, and and um, UMass, UMass Lowell. Get it right. UMass Sorry, Lowell. that's right. <laughs> um, Not the other well, one. Well, the only like one I know of. So <laughs> that's a dig on Kevin Neal. But um, in your time there, and then your time with Jersey, and now you're in in Phoenix. Have you tapped into any goaltending coach? Uh, have you learned from them? Like, has it helped you evolve your thought process for the for for what you do with goalies and your special sauce? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I've always been, I've always been a goalie nerd and, you know, I was very close to, I was very close to, uh, you know, being a goalie coach instead of being a performance coach. I mean, literally early at the start of my career, I had a, an offer from, um, from Brian Decord in the Boston area to work for him. 
and I, and I, yeah. And I had an offer from Stanford university, come be a performance coach. And it was literally, um, I remember sitting in, in Brian's Jeep and, uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, I, you got to tell me what, what are you going to do? I don't know. And he's like, well, what are they offering you? And I told him, he's like, get, get out of, get out, go get out of here. See you later. I'm not paying you that much. (laughs) It wasn't that much. So I don't know what that says for Brian, but, but yeah, so I mean, I've always been a goalie nerd from a kid all the way through. And and I still am. So I love sitting with our goalie coaches, whether it be Rolly Melanson when I was in Jersey, um, whether it be Cam, uh, Cam Ellsworth, when I was at, at uh, UMass Lowell, who's still a very good friend of mine, the head coach at Norwich now, uh, or, or here with Corey Schwab, um, and other guys along the way and just picking their brains. I, I sit in on video when they go over stuff with our goalies and just the game's so different. The position is so different from when I played. So I'm always very curious about the, the coaching side of it. So I lean, I lean, I have leaned on those guys a ton uh, over time. And I still do to learn, learn more about the intricacies and, and, you know, what are they looking for from a performance standpoint? And then that gets my wheels turning of, okay, how does that correlate to, what we're trying to do or what, what do I need to change about what we're doing? Maybe I'm, I'm coming at this from a training perspective or, you know, a prehab rehab, you know, perspective that, you know, maybe I can tweak something. So um, I, I think it's uh, a, I enjoy it, but B I, I think it's invaluable to learn from those guys who are, you know, continue to be obviously at the cutting edge of the, the progression of the position, which is, is just con- continuously changing. Yeah. I know it's helped me a ton. What we find I've had, several different ones but right now currently our our goaltending coach is getting the back off and I had him as a player too so it's it's exciting to kind of learn from his perspective and we've always, we've always had a it's different now you have a coach and performance coach relationship rather than performance coach and player but you're right I think for any coach listening to it's it's you know take your strength hat off for a minute and and you know, I've filled the strength bucket for goalies for a long time until I was able to kind of learn from the goaltending coach more of what, what, what they need and what they're looking for and kind of what trunk stability means to them, meaning, okay, I don't want them to lose their core or their trunk position if they're sliding across the crease, right? So it's interesting. It's, 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 you can learn a lot. So for any coach that's listening, hopefully they understand, hey, it's a, like talk to the coaches, you know, take your, take your strength coach's hat off for a minute and find out what they're, what they need. Cause they're pretty, they're pretty freaking smart. So it's, it's good oh, to get no their feedback and, and kind of learn more about the position, especially if you haven't played it. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, lean on that, you know, talk about, you know, Corey Schwab is, I remember watching him. I grew up in, in Seattle. He played for the Seattle Thunderbirds in junior. I remember watching him when I was a little kid, when I was, you know, my kid's age. And now, you know, we're working together. And so he's been a goalie in the league. He's been a goalie coach in the league for, you know, his, his level of experience and what he, how he thinks and what he understands. We might come at it from, we might have different terminology, but listening and learning from him, what he's looking for. If I can bridge the gap from a terminology standpoint and connect the dots, like, Oh, so you're what you talk about on the ice. You know, you talk about trunk stability. That's this in the weight room. That's this from a, okay, I get that. Now, how do we, how do we connect the dots that way? And so I, I couldn't agree more. Like take the, take the hat off, put the ego aside and, and learn from, learn from these people in the game that, that have a wealth of experience just in a, from a different perspective. Love that. Any other last thoughts on goalie training before we scoot on to another topic? Yeah. I mean, I think again, to me, it's, it's um, you know, from a developmental perspective, it's 80% you know, maybe 90% the same as everybody else, right? Strength, power, speed, um, 
these are the the underlying qualities that that make great goaltenders from a, a physical perspective. And then it's really just looking at again those nuances. What are the unique sort of biomechanical demands um, that that goalies need? And again, keep, keeping that perspective, how do we how do we mitigate a lot of the damage that's done? Right, that the position is not you know it's not good for the human body for you know to go into a butterfly position seventy eight times you know a practice um, and hundreds and hundreds of times a week. Um, so a lot of it to me is about figuring out how do we mitigate some of those stressors this summer, Devin, you're, you're going to be speaking, uh, in June at, at our SCAP event. And your presentation is called building a high performance program, which is a very broad, all encompassing title. So my, my first question is, I feel like that topic begs the question of how did your high performance philosophy, your performance philosophy begin? And, and what are those foundations that you've kind of kept from, from your early times as strength coach that you still, that you still use in, in working with now NHL athletes? Yeah. I, so I think it's a, well, it's a great question. Um, to me, like my ongoing, I guess, progression of thought in this area, I mean, it really starts from, you know, when I was a collegiate strength coach, like, uh, you know, any of us that are in that setting, um, when you're a one man show, you're, you're, you're responsible for, you know, kind of everything, you know, I used to describe my role when I was in the collegiate setting to prospects and parents and things like that. Like my job is, is to do everything that we can do off the ice to help, to help you perform on the ice. So, you know, that meant obviously strength and conditioning, that meant sports science, that meant nutrition, that meant, you know, um, return to play and, and, you know, rehabilitation, things like that. Um, so, at, you know, in that setting, I wore all of those hats. Um, and so, my thought process evolved over time and it was really a, a very, it was a very organic thought process. What can I do to help them perform? And I, you know, I kind of went down, was always very interested in kind of the sports science route. So that, that became sort of a niche for me and, and, and a direction that I went to and was very interested in, but I was always trying to educate myself, sports science and nutrition and, and all of these things. Um, and again, it was very organic. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to def define a high performance model. I was trying to help our athletes. Um, you fast forward into the position that I'm in now and really the only, or the biggest difference I think from, you know, that role earlier in my career to where I'm now is, is I don't wear all the hats anymore. I just help facilitate all of the folks that work with me and work under me to wear those hats and be experts in those space. So as I've, you know, been afforded this opportunity in, in Arizona to, to fill this position and, and, and build out this, um, this department and this team and really this philosophy to me, it's really about getting people in place who are experts in these spaces that are much better than I ever was in any of these areas, um, and help them help facilitate their ability to do their job within, within a group setting. And that's probably the bigger challenges. You know, when I was in the collegiate setting and I wore all the hats, I made all the decisions. If I wanted to do this in training, I did it. I was a strength coach. If I had an idea from a sports science angle, I did it. I was the sports scientist. Nutrition, I did it. Now, it's a it's a broad group of individuals, all with individual areas of expertise, individual thought processes. And so the, the idea now is to harness all of that knowledge and all of that expertise and bring it under one umbrella. And at the same time, help everybody stay focused on, you know, kind of a uh, our North star and where we're trying to go as a, as a department, as an organization. So that's, 
in a nutshell, that's kind of my idea behind high, uh, high performance and what we're trying to develop here. Dev, we've known each other for a long time and you've always impressed me from a, a continuous learning standpoint and, and, and making yourself better and, and looking in areas that are, are uncommon, but, but have become very effective, you know, for, for what the athletes that you work with, what are some areas for our listeners? What are some areas that as you've, you know, climb the ladder, come up the ranks, you know, going through your experience, what are some areas that were surprising maybe to you that you found some really good, rich uh, information the, that, that you can, that you impl- you implemented in your performance philosophy now? Like, did you go, you know, did you look into MLS soccer and be like, you know what, like, it's a different game, obviously, but you know, this piece of the model would really fit for, for hockey. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think um, I've always, I've always been interested in learning about how other sports operate. So I, I, you know, whether sort of strategically or, or just out of curiosity, I've always been interested in what goes on in the, in the EPL, what goes on in, in major league soccer Um, guys like Dave Tenney uh, in the MLS, you know, he's to me, and at least in North America, he's uh, been one of the, you know, the OGs of developing a high performance model when he was, you know, back uh, when he was in Seattle with the, with the Sounders Um, and, and um, looking at what do they do? You know, the high performance sport, I guess, sort of as a term originated in, at least to my knowledge, kind of comes from Australia. So what are they doing? What does that mean? What does that look like? What is, what is an organization or or the performance department look like in Australia and Australian, you know, in rugby or in soccer or, or whatever. And, and what does it look like here? And what are we, you know, what are we doing in the national hockey league in general versus what does that look like? You know, in, again, in the EPL, uh, you know, what does Arsenal look like and how are these things structured? And then, well, what are these different roles? And so, yeah, uh, you know, long answer to a short question, but yeah, I'm, I'm always, I've always been kind of interested in what other sports um, are doing. And I, I look a lot, to the business world these days and, and read a lot um, about just organizational structure and leadership and management in not even in sport, you know, what do those things look like? Um, I, I think it's, it's kind of, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's interesting. Like, you know, I'm in this role now as a high performance director, you know, I, my background is as a strength and conditioning coach at exercise physiology is what I went to school for. You know, there's never been any formal leadership management I, you know, I've never been taught those things. Like, how do you, how do you lead a team? How do you manage a, a group? How do you build a group? Um, so for me, it's like learning outside of the sport, outside of, of hockey and the NHL to try to, you know, honestly try to upskill myself in those areas. Like what, did, what does that mean in a, in a, from a CEO standpoint, like what does a CEO do? How do they work with the people that are underneath them and, and lateral to them and above them? And those are, those are areas that, you know, I'm always curious about. That it's a nail on the head. Like I, I, you're so true. It's so true. And you're so right. Like, you know, how do we manage the people, not only in this role, how do we manage the athlete, but also how do we manage the resources around them? And then how do we communicate, you know, to management and above and coaches and, and that kind of top tier that, you know, is higher up than us, you know, which, which kind of leads me into my, in my next question. Um, well, how do you, how do you filter what, what you really, what you really need at this point? in your, your, this is, you know, still early on in this role, not new to the NHL, but how do you filter like, okay, you know, we have 
just as an example, we have one massage therapist on staff, but we really need more soft tissue resources. We really have to commit to that, you know, but in the background, still the nutrition department is just okay. You know, um, how do you filter that type of example or, or what you're dealing with now? Because every team, you know, <laughs> the listeners need to understand, yeah, it's pro hockey, but you don't get to hire everybody you want, you know, and, and, you know, you're still left to wear a couple hats. not as many as in college, but you're, you know, uh, not as many as in college, but you still have to wear a bunch, you know? So for you right now, how do you filter? Okay. You know, strength program has to be, you know, top level, top notch, you know, we're not missing anything. RTP has to be at the top level. You know what? We have to work towards getting our massage therapy department up, maybe more resources. So tell us the challenges and how you're, you're filtering through those things and, dealing with what you have yeah i mean i think it starts first with having a a philosophy and creating a vision uh around that what's our vision what's our mission uh who do we want who who do we want to be as a performance department what is what does that even mean it's going to be different in every organization and then okay within that framework and that's an evolving process like that's my framework when I was in New Jersey is different than my first year here in Arizona and now, you know, into my second year. And so that's evolving, but what, what's our framework? And then where are, where do I think that we're, like you said, where are we strong? Where do I think we can improve? And then, okay, if we've got three areas that I think we're, we're really dialed in, we're doing a great job, but we've got six areas that can improve. Well, how define improvement what how do we how do we want to if i look forward in five years what is this area if in an ideal scenario what is this area going to look like you know is this going to mean we have we go from one to three massage therapists is that improving us i, I don't know um but to start starting to think strategically moving forward okay what would that look like and then if i've got those six areas okay now we have to prioritize because you're right we, we're not getting everything we want um probably not getting three massage therapists, right? That's not, that's not realistic. So what's plan B if that's priority number one. And I see that that's a, a real, you know, missing link for us. Well, you know, is that realistic to be able to go to management, go to ownership um, and, and, you know, try to hire more people, or maybe it means, you know, continuing ed for somebody else on our staff that has an interest in that area that could be a plan B for that. Um, one of the ways that I've, I've tried to structure our department as we've started to build um, and hire people is to have, um, at least on the performance side of things, have everybody on our staff come from a, a similar space from a, a performance development mindset, right? So our uh, nutritionist that we hired has a background as a strength and conditioning coach. Obviously, our, our head and assistant strength coach, myself, like we all, we all have a, a, a similar sort of background. So we can all fill into each other's roles if and when need be as of we're talking right now, like one of our, my assistant strength coaches is, is, is out for a little bit with some issues. Well, our nutritionist can step in when we have lifts, we have training and he can step in on the floor and, and fill some roles. And, you know, same thing. I can, I can go back and put my strength coach hat on when necessary um, to be able to fill in. So when I start to think about developing that group and that team, it's, it's really about a vision. What do I think this needs to look like uh, based on our philosophy? Uh, and then, strategically like where are the missing gaps and then again looking forward okay what needs to happen next and then what's the plan after that and then if that doesn't work what's plan b so it's really about trying to develop a roadmap to where i think ideal is and again that's 
that's a moving target and it's going to change all the time. But if you have sort of a perspective of, again, I go back to this idea of a North star where we're trying to get to, it allows you to kind of work backwards and fill in some gaps. Yeah. It seems like the field is, maybe this is my perception of it, but there's a more and more of a need to be interdisciplinary and to not just be able to wear one hat and, and be more fluid in what you can do and what you know. And I feel like that's showing up at the NHL level a lot in a lot of our conversations. I, I think it's crucial. I mean, it's a, it's, it's something I learned from, uh, from a guy named Neil Ramp, who's, who's been major league baseball for a long time. And one of the smartest guys I know. And, and I just remember way back when I first met him, uh, he was working for actually the Arizona diamondbacks at the time. And, and he described their performance department. And it was that same concept. Like he was the massage, the performance, you know, massage therapist. And then they had a head strength coach and they had a physical therapist and they had these different people that were experts in spaces, but came from a, a, a similar viewpoint, similar background. And so they could speak the same language they could. And that's what, that's how our department, that's how I'm trying to structure our department. Like we're all performance uh, practitioners. Let's call it that. You know, my niche is sort of sports science in our group. Um, our nutritionist niche obviously is, is nutrition as a dietitian. Uh, my head strength coach is a, uh, unbelievable, you know, uh, movement based coach and can identify, you know, locomotive issues, uh, unbelievably our assistant strength coach is an unreal sort of, um, you know, uh, room commander, like he can operate, you know, he could, he could run a session with a hundred people at the same time. So we all have niches, but we're all coming from the same, a similar, you know, perspective, our, our physical therapist, same thing. Like he's, you know, he could step in and be a, a performance coach as much as he could be, uh, our, our sort of rehab return to play continuum person. So it's, it's trying to have similarities and then specific strengths. That's kind of the idea. And to go back to the, the continuing education question, I remember, so for context, I interned for Devin, it's like three years ago now, which is crazy to think about. And our internship was very much like, David, you come on, you come in with as many questions as you want and I'll answer them. There's no curriculum. And so I remember I would ask Devin, like, what, what kinds of things you read? Like, what do you listen to? And Devin's answer was, I listen to a ton of podcasts and I don't just take everything from every person I listen to. But when I see pattern, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Devin, you can, you can correct any of this, but, but when I see patterns and I see two different coaches in different sports, or maybe a, a business podcast talking about a similar concept to a strength conditioning podcast, that's when I pay attention. It's when I, when I start to see those patterns. And I think that in all of our continuing education, if, if you notice those patterns, that those are the areas where you can start to dive in those areas. Like, okay. Let, now let's, let's research this more. Let's, let's go talk to somebody. Um, that was my, that was how I interpreted that answer. I'd love for either of you to, to, to speak to that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, that's kind of always been my, my thought process, my perspective. I mean, it's, you know, for anybody, for, for any young strength coaches that are listening, you know, like I'm saying X, Y, and Z about goalies and, and Mike Potenza saying A, B, and C. And two of those three things that we're both saying are the same thing. And, and a lot of times people will focus on, well, you know, Mike said, Mike said this thing and Devin said that thing, those things are different. It's like, those are the three, that's the 3% little difference that, that, you know, we're talking about. Those are the nuances. Those are the things that, you know, Mike and I will, you know, have fun over a couple of beers at a conference discussing. But if you're the young strength coach, like listen to the 97% that we're saying, that's the same. And it's the same kind of concept for me of listening to different podcasts, reading different books in, in different areas. When those things cross pollinate and there's something that's that's similar from really smart people especially when it comes from different areas different fields like that to me that's that's a 
a light bulb of like, oh, that, you know, pay attention to whatever that thing is, because this guy that's talking about, you know, socioeconomics and this person that's talking about biomechanics, somehow they're talking about something that's really similar and they're both experts in these other areas. But that concept or that principle seems to be the same that, you know, maybe that's something to pay attention to. So I've always kind of thought that way. I think with that too, like that's almost certainly true, but the young and old strength coach or performance coach need to have that filter. It's like, okay, if, you know, Mike and Devin are saying it and they're bringing a practical slash laboratory, if you will, experience that they've, they've seen that and they, they both agree. And that's a common concept, even though it goes unsaid that they agree upon it. You still have to have a filter of, you know, is somebody else regurgitating? If I heard it over here, he's just regurgitating what somebody else said, you know? So they have to also remember, I think you have to also remember that if you're a coach, you know, you have to find out people who've actually done it in the, in the field and are working with it um, before you completely, you know, add it into your program or, or whatever. So, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. That's why another reason why it's important, I think, to, to learn from a broad spectrum of, of people and spaces and not always just to read or listen to the things that you know that you're going to agree with. You know, like I, I'm a Mike Boyle guy, like Mike's my mentor and, and I owe him, you know, literally every opportunity in this, in this field that I've ever had. But like, I, I, I need to listen to people that have different perspectives as well, because if I, if I only listen and, and think about what, you know, Mike says uh, in a podcast, like I'm going to agree with it because that's where I learned you know, that's who I learned from, but I, there's other thought processes out there and I need to vet those things and, and reevaluate. Am I, am I just doing this because Mike Boyle did this, or am I doing this because this makes a lot of sense and I've learned this from other people and this, you know, passes the sniff. So that's, you just always have to, you have to vet what you're listening to and you have to get a broad spectrum of opinions in my, in my perspective. Yeah. And we see this in all areas of the world and strength conditioning is no exception. Like, People get in groups and, and we start to like group think starts to occur. And if you're not branching away from who your people are and who you listen to, then you're all going to be thinking the same thing. So I think I just want to second and back up how important it is to read broadly, to listen to different sources. I think you offhand mentioned like learning from someone in Australia, like so someone literally on another continent who's not going to have the same context you are, but still got to the same conclusion. It's kind of like, like divergent evolution where they or convergent evolution where they, they come together at the end. One, one last practical question for me is when we're talking about business books or personal development books or, or sources outside of hockey, Devin or Mike, are there any resources, people that come to mind that you think in SNC that uh, we could learn from and that we're overlooking? Uh, you know, one area that um, I've been, or one resource that I've honestly have been reading a lot from and, and listening a lot from is uh, the Harvard Business Review. Um, it's not something I've ever you know, paid attention to in my life, but in the last uh, couple of years, moving into this, these types of, you know, more managerial roles, like again, going back to learning, learning how to do those things. Um, that's something that's outside of completely outside of strength and conditioning, but I think has, uh, had a ton of value for me personally to learn from, you know, it's really just learning from people in the business world, learning from CEOs and, uh, that those types of folks. Um, so that's a resource that's kind of been outside of, outside of my wheelhouse and comfort zone for sure, but has, has been really valuable. Kind of connected for me is 
I've been listening and kind of reading a little bit more, more listening because there's so many good podcasts out there, right? The more longevity medicine, you know, so because we have a lot of players who live in the area now and we have, you know, at one point, I think I had the two oldest players in the league playing for our team. So, you know, I got two old men and Patty Marlowe and Joe Thornton at one point, but, but they still live here in the off season. So the transition for all of our players are retired shark players. It's like, they still live in, they still want to work out. And it's like, you know, I've put a lot of thought in the last, I don't know, eight years on, on their quality of life after hockey, you know, and what they could do. And, you know, they're not going to lift heavy all the time. They're not going to, you know, they're dads now and, and, you know, they have other ventures going on and, and they're eating differently and, and they don't need to pound, you know, 150 to 200 grams of protein every day. And just, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's interesting stuff for me, you know, to learn um, those resources and a lot of people are talking about it. So connected, but, you know, separate, if you will. Dev, you know, looking back, you know, we, we pretty much started, we definitely started at the same, same starting line, just at a different time, you know, and, what can you share with students right now? If, if, if you can go back and tell Devin McConnell, Hey, you, sh- you know, don't, for- you know, do this, don't do that. You know, what can you share with your younger self and, and also tips for students who want to get into this field, you know, and um, how they can be successful. It's different from when we started most certainly, you know, and, and maybe more technical, but you know, the, the, there's a lot of principles that, you know, and, and goals that every they should have, but, Give us yeah, your, I mean, yeah. Give us your dad talk here. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, like be really curious and really humble. You know, it's cliche to say, uh, you know, that when you're young, you feel like, you know, you think, you know, everything. And, um, it, you know, I think that uh, to some degree that's, that can be true. Be so just be humble and know that you don't, because I can tell you sitting here 15 or 20 years into this, I, I know less today than I knew a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, and, but be curious and, and always be, you know, I think, I think one of the best qualities you can have in our field to be successful is to be a, you know, be a lifelong learner, be interested in continuously getting better. Cause honestly, like the longer I do it, the more I realize it's there, there's no perfect, there's no answer. It's just a journey. It's just about learning, continuously improving, it's it, you're, you're always, if, if that's your mindset, I think you're going to be in good shape. Um, I think from a technical standpoint, I think obviously, um, this, this, the sports science, the data side of things has, has exploded is still exploding. I think having, I think you need, you need to be a good coach first and foremost, like relationships, communication, like that, that trumps everything. But I think it's important to, to learn those those, uh, analytical skills, um, you know, the scientific process is as silly as that sounds or simple as that sounds like think th- those ways, learn about data, learn about how to interpret things. Um, I mean, you know, literally from a, a technical standpoint, like, uh, you know, take us, take stats, <laughs> don't avoid stats. Like I did, like, I think there's a, a ton of benefit just from a, a knowledge standpoint, whether you go down that kind of rabbit hole, I think those things are really important. Yeah, but I think being humble and curious, I think those are the foundations, honestly, to, to being able to, to continue to progress in the field. Awesome. Great advice, as always. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think the data-driven piece also, as you know, we've seen the last few years, how, how, how challenging 
science is and science is not simple and science is messy. And so like a few books that come to mind for me, one uh, book called Calling Bullshit, which basically just teaches you a lot of the logical fallacies we have and teaches you how to read graphs and how they're manipulated. And another one for me is Freakonomics is another good book. Those are a few resources about how to say, think more scientifically. Any, any other books that come to mind for, for you? Uh, honestly, those are both really good books. So not off the top of my head, but those are good starting points. Cool. Well, Devin, thanks as always. Always good to catch up. Mike, thanks for, uh, for hopping on again. Thanks, Devin. Great to see you guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find links to everything discussed at the official website of SCAF prohockeystrength.com you'll find Devin's article on goalie training you'll find information for the event that Devin and Mike and tons of other of our friends at the website are speaking at additionally something we've been adding that's totally free is we have been emailing more we have an email list we mail out free articles videos exclusive content a lot of it goes on the site a lot of it doesn't so if you want if you're interested in getting hockey training info weekly to your inbox then on the home page of our site you will see a free presentation and you can sign up there and then you'll be getting our emails so hope to see you in some form on the site prohockeystrength.com thanks for listening